Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2017. I hope you're all having a great summer. I've been having a really good summer, a really busy summer, but it's been a really good summer. And it's been a while. It's been, I don't know, six or seven weeks or so since I've had a new podcast up. So I'm excited to have another podcast for you guys today. Today is a really good episode. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Evan Stein, who is one of the co-owners of the Experience Music Group and Experience Records. In today's podcast, Evan and I get into licensing, obviously, as usual, but we also get into the topic of branding and how to how to build a brand out of yourself and, and your music in order to set yourself apart from the masses of people making music. We get into how to do this on YouTube, social media, and how these factors, how your ability to build a brand and really effectively tell a story, how your ability to do that affects your ability to license your music successfully. So it's a really good podcast uh, today. Check that out. In the meantime, really quick before today's podcast, I have a really quick announcement. I'm really excited to announce that I'm going to be in Los Angeles, actually Tustin, California to be exact, on September 16th and 17th. I'm going to be co-hosting a weekend-long retreat with my producer, Gary Gray, all about how to produce and pitch your tracks successfully for licensing. Like I said, it's a weekend-long retreat. It's two full days. And we're going to be kind of focusing more or less on production, but we'll also have a music supervisor on hand. It's myself, uh, Gary Gray, Aaron Dillon, who is a music supervisor and uh, works for the company Song Trader, will be there. Eddie Gray, who's also a, a very successful songwriter and composer, who's done really well licensing-wise. He's actually been on this podcast uh, in the past as well. But if you're interested in that, we have just 10 spots available, and I think we're down to like six or seven left. We scheduled initially, our first retreat is actually scheduled for the 23rd and 24th of September. That retreat sold out in about a week, so we added a second weekend. And again, it's September 16th and 17th. It's a Saturday and Sunday. And if you're interested in attending that event, go to California Dreaming Retreat. CaliforniaDreamingRetreat.com. You can get all the details about the event, uh, what we're going to cover, the cost, uh, where it is exactly, and all the details are on that website, CaliforniaDreamingRetreat.com, or just go to my website, HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. In the meantime, let's get to today's podcast with Evan Stein. Welcome to another episode of Music, Money, and Life. I'm excited today to, to be speaking with Evan Stein from Experience Music Group. And Evan, you were saying you're one of the co-owners and you founded the company back in 2003, correct? 
Yes, I am. Uh, I co-founded co-founded the company with uh, with Martin Weiner, and uh, yeah, it was back in 2003. So I think next year will be 15 years. <laughs> 15 years. So you guys have been uh, been around a while. So I know that you focus. I know that you do quite a bit of licensing, and I want to get into that a little bit initially. Did you have you always had this sort of focus on licensing? Were you always licensing music all along, or is that something you got into more recently? Well, I got. I, I was a film major in college, and um, I grew up in the film business. The family works in the film business, and wanted to produce films. And when I got out of college, uh, I was in that field uh, uh, for for a second, and didn't really love it. But discovered, you know, music through working with artists. Uh, and at that time, I think almost 15 years ago, the business was going through a change, and so. We had the idea, Mark and I had the idea to, to start a label and to help out some of these artists. And we took a year interviewing people that we knew in the business and, you know, all the way from, you know, agents to artists, engineers, uh, everybody, um, and managers. And they all said, look, you know, the, the music business is changing and the, the future is sort of licensing and publishing. Yeah. And so at the time, we didn't know about that, but we, um, we, we obviously did another year worth of research and sort of, you know, realized that this was something that we, that we loved all along just through the use of, you know, music and, and, and film and TV and how it sort of soundtracked our lives in the past. Very cool. And it seems like you guys are doing a, a lot of licensing. I mean, I knew I've been familiar, familiar with you guys for the last few years. I knew that you did licensing, but I wasn't really aware of how extensive, like how many placements you've had until I really took a, a really good look at, at your website. Can you talk a little bit about some of the the clients you work with and some of the placements you've secured? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we do, we do mostly uh, TV and film, although uh, recently we've been getting into video games and uh, we've, we've got some cool stuff that we did for uh, Ubisoft has a game called Steep. Mm-hmm. And um, we did a, a song for, for uh, one of the Steep series. And I think we have another one coming out. Um, and then we've, uh, we, we had a trailer. There's a sort of a period piece called the exception. Um, trying to remember, I think the, I think the, the company was, was a 24. And then we actually had another trailer for a film called Vincent and Roxy. Uh, that was, that was a band, um, that we used. Okay. And, uh, and so that, that was recent as well. Um, the exception, I think it was the, the, the composer, his name is Norman Will, and he's out of, uh, Germany, Germany, I believe. Okay. And um, and then I think for uh, the other trailer, um, it was uh, oh, it was this great female artist. Her name's Nicole Alden, and she's got this great like uh, song called "In Your Hands." It's sort of very sexy, very vibey, and it was used in Vincent and Roxy. So those are a couple of pretty pretty neat placements that we've had recently. Very cool, and I know you've done like a, a ton of TV work as well, and I'll, I'll list a lot of your credits on my website when I post this podcast so people can uh, can check that out. So one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about, Evan, was I noticed that you when you sign songs, I found this sort of interesting because my publisher does this as well, but you sign songs on an individual basis, like a song-by-song basis. Can you talk about why you approach it that way as opposed to signing like a group of songs? What's the advantage from your perspective? in doing it that way. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons why we wanted to do that was we really wanted to focus all on quality versus quantity. Yeah. And we felt like if we got to know a song really well 
and the story behind the song and sort of all the, the details about the song, you know, uh, the beats, the keywords, um, you know, that type of thing, it would help us in terms of, of getting it licensed. And so as opposed to sort of spreading thin and having a whole album and not really knowing, knowing the album or knowing each song really well, uh, we, you know, we, we thought, well, why not let's focus on one song per artist. And then, you know, if it does well, you know, we could, we could take more in, but yeah, that's, that's sort of something that we've done since the beginning and we still do today. And, um, it just helps us really get to know the song. I think part of selling a song to licensing to a supervisor is, is knowing it and being able to paint the story behind the song as opposed to just saying, Oh, this is a singer songwriter or it's an alt rock song or, you know, getting into a little more detail and saying, well, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, these are some of the themes, these are some of the keywords. Uh, it's got this beat per minute. Uh, we feel like it could fit here, here, and here. A lot of this business music licensing is based on doing your homework, uh, yeah. knowing who's working on what shows, what films, and, 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 and knowing what type of music they use, you know, down to a T. And so you have to watch the shows. You have to do your research because if, if you pitch supervisors the wrong track for a wrong, wrong show, it will be tough to, you know, to, to get to them again. So, yeah, no, totally. That makes sense. So with, with that said, what, like, what are you looking for in terms of, of songs is, and I know that's a broad, it's a big question, but can you, <laughs> you know, but can you talk a little bit about maybe sort of, can you hone in on some key things in terms of style and quality and, and genre that you're looking for right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, surprisingly, rock still does do really well, and there aren't a lot of sort of driving rock songs in the vein of like Jet or in the vein mm. of The Strokes. And so, uh, on on an independent level, you know, we're always looking for those because we always get the hey, you know, we're looking for this sort of upbeat rock song to drive the scene or to drive the ad, yeah, uh, or, or to drive drive the trailer uh, type of thing. Um, uh, other types of songs. You know that that we're always looking for, obviously, you know, uh, singer songwriter that have keywords um, that may not be per se about relationships, but maybe it's about you know what it's like to you know to to be a father, what it's like to mm. you know have a. Um, I mean, they're really they're really more based on you know just trying to go after a subject versus like lost love. I mean, those are sort of obviously a dime a dozen, yeah. but the ones that, that are really sort of drilled down, I think, you know, do to detail do really well. Uh, anthemic, uh, anything is always big, whether it's electronic or anthemic, you know, hip hop, uh, we get that a lot. Um, and I'm trying to think what else, I mean, you know, there's always a sort of female sexy, you know, Lana Del Rey vibe. And you know a lot of a lot of searches are sort of based on um, artists that that are out there. So you know we'll get a search and it will say, well, in the vein of Arcade Fire or you know in the vein of of um, you know Lady Gaga that type of thing. And so yeah. you know that we'll we'll, we'll sort of categorize uh, our songs in those in those uh, artists. Got you. And when you're like, let's say, let's use the example that you gave when you're looking for a song about. For example, like what you said, what it's like to be a father. Are those songs that you find that fit those types of placements? Are they typically, is it serendipitous? Do you just happen to find an artist that that 
has this perfect song about what it's like to be a father? Or do you find that you're working with artists that are, are like sitting down very deliberately trying to write songs, anticipating a movie or a TV show where a scene comes up about what it's like to, to be a, fa- a father? You know, it's, it's both. Yeah. We, we work with artists that, that have their own studios and compose music sort of on the fly. Uh, and that will just have, and you never know when it will come up. And then every now and then you'll come across something that is, is sort of serendipity and it's just perfect for licensing because it's, it's got those keywords or it tells that story. And again, you know, part of music being used in film and TV is sort of helping to tell a story and helping to move, you know, the scene along or the ad along, you know. And so it's really important that these themes are there because that's one thing that they're always looking for. You know, supervisors, unless you know, there's sort of uh, on camera, they, they don't care about how the band or the artist is live, they, you know, they, or how they look or how they dress. They, they honestly care about the story the song tells and how it can help, uh, you know, add to the story of, of the project. Cool. So that sort of segues nicely into the next topic that I wanted to, to bring up. I know you mentioned that in addition to to doing licensing, and working with artists in that context, that you also do artist development and, and branding, and you harp or, or help rather artists sort of get their careers off the ground. And, and I'm wondering this is something I've asked quite a few different people that have been on my podcast like, how important is your overall career development and online presence and things like social media? Like, how big of a connection is there? from those things to licensing? Like, in other words, do you need to be performing live to get a big ad campaign, for example? Like, how important is being established in, you know, in relationship to getting syncs? Yeah, I mean, the main reason, one of the main reasons I got into sort of artist development was the licensing business had become tougher and tougher and that there were sort of more songs. It was, it was, that flooded the market. And so what I noticed was, in order for a song to start to stand out or an artist to stand out, they needed to be unique and the artist and or the song needed to be remarkable. And a lot of the artists that I was working with didn't have that brand, didn't have that story. I couldn't really, if, if I looked at them and asked myself, why are they doing this? I couldn't answer that question. What mm-hmm. differentiates them? And so I felt like, you know, this was probably about five or six years ago at that point, I felt like if I had a story to go along with the song or the artist when pitching it to a supervisor, it would help them remember not only the artist, but the song as well. And so I figured, you know, I'm going to look into this. And and one of the first artists at that time I started working with was an artist named Dan Goblin, Mm -hmm. uh, who, funny enough, um, still does, you know, well licensing, but I helped him with his brand and, and his imaging and his messaging and sort of figure out why he was doing this and, and why he was an artist. And it did, it did have a, a big effect because when I went to pitch his music, it was not just, okay, well, here's the so-and-so song by Dan. Here's this song by Dan. And this is the story behind the song and why he wrote it. And this is a little, little bit about him and why he's doing it. And so it was, it, it sort of became a, in my mind, a game changer. And mm. And I just, I got extremely excited at that and, 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 and loved doing it and okay. started helping him with his social media marketing and helping with, helping with his digital content strategy. 
and you know, helping him develop his overall career with licensing as a major driving force because not only the revenue, but, but also the exposure as well. And so that's still an important piece when I work with these artists. Uh, I'm working with another artist. Her, her, her name is M. Rossi. She's a, a 19-year-old artist, and she sort of she just moved down here from Petaluma, California. Mm-hmm. And in her story, you know, her father passed away when she was 15, and a lot of her stories. And he was he was her main driving force in the business. He he was her muse essentially, and so a lot of her her story and her songs are based around the loss of her father. And that's a real important piece to sort of who she is as an artist and why she's doing this. And so she had a song called Earthquake. Uh, that I ended up licensing in some films and some TV shows and, and, and done well in some of our other songs and licensing as well. And so it, it, it makes a difference. It really does. Uh, are the social numbers are important? Are the live show important? They can be. I mean, look, supervisors want to be able to say, hey, we, we quote unquote discovered this band. So mm-hmm. if I can bring them a band that's sort of buzzing and has certain social numbers that that say they're buzzing, but they haven't sort of broke through yet. I think, I think it will help to sell, but I still think what's more important is, is that uniqueness, that remarkability to be uh, behind the artist and how they're different, what their story is. Interesting. I mean, it sounds like what you're really talking about is branding, you know, having a story behind the artist as opposed to just, you know, it sounds like what you're telling me is it's not necessarily enough to just have a great song or a great collection of songs. It's advantageous if you actually have an interesting story to go along with it. Um, and in terms of building and developing that story or, or telling that story, um, how do artists go about doing that? Is it through having a great looking website? Is it through having a publicist? Can you talk a little bit about some of the ways artists can go about uh, telling their story more effectively? Definitely. I mean, when I consult with an artist, uh, the first thing I do is I have these this set of sort of branding, imaging, and messaging questions that, that gives me a sense of who they are currently, uh, what, what their marketing is like, what their branding is like, and I get a sort of an overall view of where they currently are as an artist. And then, it, honestly, it, it, it's, like, it, it, it's like a therapy session, and I'm not yeah. a therapist. But you sit with the artist and you start asking questions and you really get at the heart of why they're doing this mm. and try to figure out, you know, pull that out. From, cause a lot of them don't, they know why they're doing this, but they can't vocalize it. And so it's sort of my job to help them pull that out and then mold it. Uh, and again, when you, when you work on branding with an artist, it's not just, you know, their story. It's, it's everything down to the, you know, the, the style of their font, the color of, of, of the colors on their website and social media, uh, yeah. what they're saying in their bio, all of it ties in, it all has to tie in to, to tell that story if, if you really want to get it across. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of work, but it's a ton of fun. And once you get it, once you nail it, uh, I truly believe that it, it adds to the whole pitch when you're going to a supervisor. And I have to remember that, you know, supervisors are getting hundreds of songs a day. Yeah. So there's all kinds of songs coming in many different ways. Uh, there's, and most of them are streaming. So how do you, unless it's sort of the right song for the right project at the right moment, which is serendipitous, how do you get them to go back to that song, to go back to that artist? And I think that one way that I, at least I think, I feel like I figured out is to leave 
a story that leaves an impression with them. You know, like what you're saying, it it totally rings true to me, and it's uh, it totally resonates. But but I'm just, I'm I'm not quite sure. I completely understand how you do that. Is it through? I know you're saying it's down to like the colors on the website. It's down to what they say in their bio. Like how do you, like how do you literally present that to a supervisor? Do you say, look, here's an amazing song. Here's a link to the story behind the song, or is it a bigger picture? Is it what they're doing on a day-to-day basis on social media, on Facebook? No, on, on... no, it's it's yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, that's it. That was basically okay. the end of the yeah. question. Yeah, it's 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 if I'm pitching an artist in a song. It's the story behind the song, uh, how the song ties into the artist, and then a little background on the artist. So getting back to M and her song, Earthquake, uh, you know, that song is about the loss of her father and how it was a major earthquake that shook her world. And she was 15 and how her world changed. And so that story is, is extremely important, not just for the song, but in terms of getting an idea of who that artist is and where they're coming from. And I think that, the key here really is if you can give the supervisor a visual of the song hmm. based on the artist's brand, it's going to have a better chance of sticking with them. So when they hear the song, they think of, uh, of, you know, of, of the artist and the story. And, you know, I, I remember reading, I'm a big Bleachers fan, Jack Antonoff. He had lost his sister um, when, when, when she was younger. And, uh, and he's got this song, uh, it's called like, uh, where the river runs or it, it's sort of a big anthemic song but I heard sort of a podcast where he talks about how it sort of haunts him and he wrote a song about her and, and honestly when I listen to the song now uh, I always think of that story and I listen to the keywords and it sort of you know it reminds me about it I just think it's a powerful thing taking that visual uh, and, and, and mixing it with the song because it, it leaves a, a lasting impression. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. I, I think it's, uh, I kind of feel like what you're talking about is like one of the missing pieces of the puzzle. It's like different people that I've interviewed over the last few months, they kind of allude to what you're talking about, but but I, I don't feel like I've really dove into the topic at length. So that's why I'm kind of pressing you with, with these questions. How impo- How important do you feel like YouTube is for up and coming artists, like like having an established YouTube presence? Yeah, I, I think it's important. I think that, look, you know, and this is what I tell my clients that, that I consult with is you can't just be, an, it's not enough to be an artist anymore. You need to be uh, a salesperson, like uh, someone who's online selling themselves through a visual. Yeah. And so that, in that case, it's almost like YouTube is their own television channel. Yeah. And that's their, their opportunity to broadcast their content. Now you have Facebook Live and Instagram Live and Periscope, and those are all important. Don't get me wrong; uh, those are sort of more in the moment of what you're doing. But but where YouTube comes in handy is music videos, behind the scenes, artist Q and A's, uh, those type of things that you need to keep the fan engaged. I mean, the fans, you know, they they have direct access to artists these days, and it's it's something they expect. Uh, now, when I was younger, that was, you know, the artists were behind the curtain. I mean, there was no way of, of accessing them. So it's completely changed. Uh, there really isn't much mystery. And that's, you know, one of the things that's, that's tough is how do you keep the mystery yet give them, you know, open access to, to who you are and what you're doing, you know, on a day-to-day basis. 
Yeah, it's, that's interesting. I was listening to, um, or watching, rather, a video. Do you, do you know the marketer Gary Vaynerchuk? Yeah. Do you know who yeah. that is? So I was watching one of his videos, and he was, um, I think he was interviewing the 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 rapper Nipsey. I'm not really into hip-hop, but I'm pretty sure that's that's who it was. But his sort of philosophy is that, you know, there used to be a time when you wanted to sort of intentionally, like you didn't want to oversaturate the market. You would release an album, wait a couple years, and then strategically release another album. And he was sort of saying that that time is over, and that if anything, you want to like kind of go in the opposite direction and just flood the market with content because people are being pulled in so many different directions. Like There's so much music and just so much content in general that you kind of want to take the opposite approach, and, and that really rings true with me, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're, again, when I was younger, there was music, and maybe you compete, competed with a few TV channels and then early beginnings of video games. But now there's so much more content. You know, music's a big competitor. It's not other artists. It's social media. It's video games. It's Netflix. It's Hulu. It's all these other forms of media that's pulling your time away. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day. And obviously, you know, a good portion of that is spent, you know, sleeping. And so you only have so many hours of the day to grab someone's attention. So yeah. how do you do that? Uh, yeah, you, you have to be releasing songs. I've heard every six, eight, 10, 12 weeks. And within that, I, I have an artist right now that he just released a song. The artist is called My Southern Bravery. And uh, I literally, I was involved with the music video from the way beginning of the first single and we had the whole release plan scheduled content-wise based on the fact that we only had six to eight weeks to really sort of blow this thing up before we had to move on to the next song. Yeah. And so we shot this really funny video that ended up going viral. It's got three and a half million views. And the song's doing really well on Spotify. It's over half a million. Uh, SoundCloud's like at six million. Wow. And so, but, but here we are, you know, five weeks into the campaign. And, you know, we've got, uh, you know, another three weeks. And I would love to continue it and keep building it. And it's, you know, it's doing well. It was on, you know, train tracks on Sirius and, you know, uh, there's getting some sync attention. But from an artist standpoint, you know, I have to start looking at the next single sort of to capitalize on the success of this. Because otherwise, uh, you know, something else is going to come in and take his fans' attention. Now, interestingly enough, yeah. this one artist, he does something that we both came up with called MSB TV on Periscope. So he's on Periscope once a week for half an hour, and, and he'll get anywhere between 30 and 50 super fans that show up every week, oh, and cool. he'll, do, he'll do a couple of live songs, or he'll do a cover, and you know, he's had four or five albums, and so what he did was, we came up with the idea to go back through the history of him as an artist, and, and, and each song, and going through each album, and all the music videos, and you know, the stories of his career, and the fans love it, and they show up every week. And now we're sort of taking them through this journey of this, this song that's going viral. And uh, it's, it's number three on, the, on Billboard's hot single sales chart. And it's doing well. And uh, so they feel like they're part of the journey. They feel like they're dri help driving the success of everything. Yeah. And, and when I say that the artist sort of needs to be uh, almost like, a, you know, uh, somebody on TV uh, selling something or, or pushing something, that's what he's doing. I mean, he's got his own TV show. Now, that's not what he signed up to do. He signed up to write songs and to, and, and to sing them and perform live. Yeah. But here he is. He's, he's become like this, you know, almost, you know, show person. He's got his own show. 
his fans love it. It's a direct connection. Uh, they can ask him questions, and he can answer them, and it's a half an hour, and, and it's, it seems to be going really well for him. That's really cool. And, and what is, who is the artist's name again? Uh, his, his name's My Silent Bravery, and uh, they're out of Boston. And uh, you can just, just look up mysilentbravery.com. A, a couple of my other clients are um, mrossi, E-M-R-O-S-S-I.com. Um, like I said, I work with uh, Dan Godlin, G-O-D-L-I-N. And, um, and then I have another client. Uh, this was an interesting story. Bob Pressner, uh, P-R-E-S-S-N-E-R. He, uh, we did a, a campaign with him a few months ago, and he has a song from 2015 called American Dream. And so we had this idea, uh, my, my partner, Kurt Zenzian, and I had this idea to do this video that, right as Trump became president of a bunch of Trump footage. It wasn't either on the right or the left, it was sort of right down the middle, and do just a visual video, uh, uh, you know, based on this song. And the song is essentially, you know, the, the artist Bobby wanted to explore what happens to the American dream. And, and so we did this video, we put it up on YouTube, and it ended up going viral. It's got almost 15 million views now. And we, but we put it up and sort of, you know, forgot about it. And I get this call from Billboard. And just from the views on YouTube alone, the song charted up to number 10 on the hot rock charts on Billboard. Wow, that's just so cool. Just the streams alone. Wow. And so it's just a fascinating uh, uh, story. But again, like it comes down to, to the visual of the story. And that's why it's so important to have a visual for everything. In this case, the song alone, you know, I don't think it would have had the success had, had we not had that sort of Trump visual. I and mean, it started a conversation, started people commenting on it. And it was just about what happened to the American dream. And it, and it, it was at the time it was in the zeitgeist. I think it still is now. Yeah. And it just took off. So those are the type of things I like to do with artists to sort of, you know, help get them out there in, in different and creative ways. That's really cool that you work with artists so extensively. How does that work from from a, a business pr- perspective, do you take, uh, do you do 365 deals where you take kind of a piece of everything? Like, like how does that work from just a business standpoint? You know, honestly, right now it's, the, uh, it's just a consulting job. So I get paid as a consultant uh, and it's usually, I get paid uh, for a certain number of hours per month. I always end up working over the hours because, you know, honestly, Aaron, I love doing this. I love helping these artists. I love, crafting these stories and these brands uh, because it's, it's just, you know, to, to see the, the success and of some of these artists is, is amazing. I mean, you really can't put a price on it. So uh, it's, it's, I get paid as a consultant and honestly, it's almost like a therapist. I mean, these people become my friends. I'm talking to them every day. We're texting, we're going over ideas and it's, it's, it's the sort of team mentality. Like I said, I have other people, that helped me out on the, on the marketing and say the YouTube and the Spotify end. And I understand the licensing end and some people on the live end. And so I try to get a team together and, and to help these artists, you know, grow and, and to, to build and to, to develop them. And I think we've, we've done okay so far. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I mean, that's something I've talked about a lot over the last couple of years is the idea of building a team that you really, you know, it, it, it takes a group of people, I think, in 2017 to successfully, to even try to successfully launch a music career. So that's really cool that you're uh, working that extensively with your artists. Yeah, it's it's way too tough. I mean, you know, artists, you know, have to do so much more than writing music. 
uh, and practicing and w- with the band or themselves. I mean, there's a whole other side to it. And honestly, you know, it's unfair to expect them to come in and understand how to, how to handle the marketing or how to shoot videos or how to edit the videos or, you know, SEO, search engine optimization, keywords. I mean, there's so many different details that an artist has to think about today. Yeah. Uh, it's enough for them to think about, well, how am I unique and how am I remarkable? Yeah. And does it typically... I know you said you charge a consulting fee. Do the numbers work out for the artists? Are they are they typically able to recoup what you know in, in licensing fees and in revenue what they pay you? Yeah, I mean that's you know I I, I don't charge an arm and a leg to yeah. consult, so it's not that bad. And in in, in certain cases, if like let's take my son Bravey for example, I mean we're five weeks into the campaign, he's almost I think he's at three point six million views on YouTube, uh, over almost 600,000 streams on Spotify. <clears throat> um, he's, I don't know, like five or six million streams on SoundCloud. I mean, he'll, he'll make some money back from that. I think he's had a, a, a good size of, of iTunes sales. And so, you know, but, but the idea is, you know, there, there's always a sort of another song. I mean, it's, it's really about capturing fans. Uh, you know, you want to make money along the way. And, and yeah, we, we go off to sync and things are great for money and exposure. But it's just building the numbers. I mean, unfortunately, in the music business, you know, one thing that sort of drives, you know, uh, if you want to get signed or get attention is having the social numbers, the Instagram numbers, the YouTube subscribers, uh, the Facebook followers. Those are a, a huge driver of whether you're being successful or not in the business. And so, you know, we try to acquire fans and and, and develop them through, you know, email lists and, and these type of shows, these weekly shows and staying in touch with them and getting their feedback and really making them feel like they're part of the process. Because like I said, you know, anything else can come along at any time, whether it's another artist or another social media site or a TV show or movie can come, come along and take their attention. So that's something you're always competing in. Very cool. Um, yeah, you've definitely uh, given me a lot to think about. You sort of uh, my head spinning as as we're talking here. I'm thinking about things that I can uh, implement, you know, into my own uh, marketing and, and branding. So let's do this, Evan. Let's uh, let's tell people listening to this where they can learn more about you and Experience Music Group. Your website is experiencerecords.com. And um, yes. Or experiencemusicgroup.com. Either or, they go to the same, yeah. Either one, okay. And artists, yeah. uh, people listening to this can submit music directly to you on your website, I believe, correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. And, and how do you, just out of curiosity, licensing-wise, what is your sort of standard deal with artists? Right. It's, so it's a non-exclusive deal. There's no term, uh, and it's a 50-50 split. We don't retitle. Okay. We don't take any back end. It's, it's actually a really, really uh, uh, fair deal for artists. And, you know, we we feel like over the years we've gotten nothing but great feedback. I mean, we really don't believe in locking up artists and into being exclusive deals. I mean, look, if I could be everywhere at once, it, that would be great. But it's just not realistic. So yeah. if one of my counterparts at another not, another non-exclusive company can get a supervisor on a day that I can't and license that same artist song, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes makes sense. You don't want to. I've signed a few exclusive deals over the years, and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. And when they don't, that's that's no fun for for anybody. Right. So, well, cool. Um, experience Records or experiencemusicgroup.com. 
And uh, I encourage you guys to go check out Evan and Experience. Looks like that you're up to a lot of great stuff. And um, I might su- submit a few of my own tracks to you if that's great. okay. Yeah, and if you're curious about the consulting, uh, you can email me. It's evan at experiencemusicgroup.com. And, uh, you know, send me a link to, to your site and, and your social pages and some of your music. And I'll take a look and, and we can talk. I'm, I'm always look, I don't advertise the service, honestly. And, uh, but I'm always looking for, for new clients that I feel like can fit the mold of what, what it is I do. Yeah. No, that's very cool. I, I'm curious myself. I'll send you a few links. And uh, why not? You know, it doesn't hurt to inquire. Definitely. Awesome. Evan, thanks so much for doing this and uh, have a great day. Definitely, Aaron. Thanks thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, hey, and one other question before you hang up, Evan. It's uh it's been a couple it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I almost forgot to ask you, can we play can I play um one of your artists, somebody that you're working with? Is is there anybody that, that comes to mind that you want to feature at the end of this podcast? I'd be happy to yeah, give, but- give them a plug. Yeah, that there is uh, my artist M Rossi. Uh, she just uh, released a new single called "No Easy Way." Okay. And I can send you a link, or it's on Spotify. Can you? Uh, it's on can, SoundCloud. If you can, you send I'll me. I'll you a link. If yeah. you can send me the MP3, I'll play it at the end. Okay. Of this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll I'll send that to you. Awesome. So we'll do that. Um, excellent, Evan. Thanks so much, man. Like I said, I really appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Evan. Take care. It was a blast. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Evan. Take care. Bye. Keep it in the moment. Go steady with the flow and get lost. Keep the truth from falling through There's more to this than just loving you Have you ever noticed that every time we dance We get to know each other like real lovers do It's just me and you Close your eyes and see You're standing next to me Take our time across the line But hold on to that higher state of mind You and I won't fall behind No, there's no easy way to love you Getting low and low It's hard to see There's so much more to know It's our mistakes That make us grow Have you ever felt that No matter where we go We'll always be the same Like so long ago Never gets old 
close your eyes and see you're standing next to me take our time across the line but hold on to that eye you say to mine you and i won't fall behind no there's no easy way to love you Easy way.